Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, where your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development, where we share original research, explore industry trends, and interview executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We hope you join us often for practitioner-oriented content around all things related to leadership, HR, talent management, organizational development, and change management. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page, and please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Christian Muntean about what catches most people by surprise when they're in a new executive role. Christian Muntean, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Yeah, thanks, John. It's good to be here. Yeah, it's great to be with you. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. Where are you joining us from today, Christian? Anchorage, Alaska. Great to be with you. And uh, I had the most amazing Alaskan cruise trip with my family uh, back in June. It was my first time to Alaska, of course, via cruise. Beautiful, beautiful. I was so excited to be able to go. And I'm jealous that... uh, you you get to live in such a beautiful place. Yeah, it's wonderful. Well, good. Well, I'm glad you had a good time. Well, today we're going to be talking about what catches most people by surprise when they're in a new executive role. Now, this certainly applies to CEOs. A lot of times, you know, people uh, take on that first CEO role, but really it could apply to any executive role, any senior leadership role, because um, it's just a different beast. It's, it's a different thing altogether that most people right. really have an experience, right? And it, yeah. it doesn't even speak to their competencies and capabilities in other adjacent areas. Uh, It's a a new thing. And so we're going to be dissecting that and exploring that together today. As we get started, I wanted to share Christian's bio with everybody. Christian Muntean is the owner of Vantage Consulting and works with successful leaders and teams who want to dramatically improve their performance. He partners with clients who are typically in the CEO, president, executive director, COO, or GM role, and helps them with all aspects of leadership and organizational health, growth, and development. Anything else, Christian, that you would like to share by way of your background before we dive on in further? No, that's probably probably a good start for now. I mean, I, I have authored a book on the successful new CEO, which I think is maybe how we got connected. Yeah, great. And, and uh, the title of that, The Successful New CEO, Core Leadership Principles That Will Guide Your First Year, is out and available. And, and you, you can share a little bit about that as we move sure. along and certainly at the end. Um, yeah. of the episode as well. And I would encourage the audience to check that out. Um, like you said, that informs really what we're going to be discussing together today. All right, as we get started, maybe just lay out for us some of those things that you think really catch people by surprise the most, if you were to right. to name off, you know, the top three to five things. Well, I think the top one thing um, is, and this, it there is a difference for the people, the person that is the executive, like the president, the CEO, 
whoever's at that core leadership space um, in comparison to the rest of the executive team. And that is they usually don't expect the emotional weight of the responsibility. So it doesn't matter how tough that person is or leathery or whatever. Um, what I keep finding with my clients, uh, I do a lot of executive coaching and consulting, is that they're, you know, somebody may have been, let's say, a COO or a CFO for decades, very, very successful, large organization, and now they're promoted into the CEO position. And they're just surprised at, even though they know the job, they're surprised at what it feels like when there's no one to consult with or to go to or to have that backstop for a decision-making process. Like basically it's you and it all comes down on you and the board will look at you or if you're the owner, you got no one else to look to. It's just got, it's all on your shoulders. And that's the thing I think, I think that all on your shoulders feeling is the biggest surprise that I, I think most people don't anticipate when they come in. Yeah, and I've experienced that on to a limited extent, and, and it really can be overwhelming um, mm-hmm. to to be in that situation. And yeah, especially if you've never experienced anything like it, uh, and especially if now you've taken the helm and your organization is facing some really significant challenges, right. um, you know, or or tragedies, or you know, say you, you say you are a brand new CEO immediately prior to the pandemic hitting and then like trying right. to figure out how to shift your workforce virtual yeah. or whatever, like those types of things happen. They catch you off guard. And like you said, you're, you are the decision maker. You're the one, hopefully you're leaning on your team and hopefully you're, you have trusted advisors and hope you, hopefully you have all that, but ultimately the buck stops with you and you, you right. have to make the decision and live with it. And that yeah. is a tremendous weight, especially when your decisions, you know, are going to impact the people in the organization. Right. And so you want to make exactly. the best decision possible. I do believe most leaders want to do right by their people and, and make right. the best possible decisions. It, it's just, it can become debilitating. And that's when you get into analysis paralysis and like, you don't want to make yeah. the decision because you're, you're concerned about, you know, what the impacts will be. And so then you yeah. end up just churning. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the common errors that people will make when they come in is, is they stop making decisions or they take too long to make the right decision. There's other errors too. Like they may, uh, try to find the decision that pleases the most other people. And that's always an error. Um, it's it's <laughs> make, trying to make people happy won't. Um, but that's another way that that kind of man, it can manifest in a lot of different ways, but that's that element of um, it's all on me is the thing that I find that that's a challenge. It, it generates errors in the sense of some people kind of lean into it also. They, they do what I call a, a new sheriff in town kind of approach, and they'll come in and um, start making big decisions without fully understanding the dynamic or the, the um, environment that they're operating in, and or they feel like they need to assert themselves kind of out of insecurity. They feel like they need to insert themselves in some way. It's not always out of insecurity. I don't want to suggest that, um, and I, I will say that most of the leaders I work with, when you talk to them, you get introduced to them, they come across as very, they are confident, successful people, very smart, very capable, but there's this thing. It's that kind of thing of that voice in the back of your head of that second guessing, are you sure this is the right decision or 
is that really the right thing you should be doing? And that's where I see a lot of people get stuck. Yeah. And I'm thinking of one in particular right now um, who is fresh in this new uh, senior executive role um, who got stuck, got, you know, really uh, all of a sudden they were blindsided a little bit, I think maybe a little naive about some of the politics um, that they were encountering and stepping into just the messy, the messy people dynamics that right. they they hadn't really fully anticipated. And so then they felt like, okay, I need a pause. I need to like basically figure all this out, get the lay of the land yeah. before I do anything. And that's kind of where they've been stuck for close to a year oh, <laughs> is, is, yeah. is like yeah. not actually being able to move forward. Yeah. <clears throat> and, and I get it. Like you, you do want to listen. You want to learn. You want to see what's going on. You want to figure out where the landmines are, if at all possible. Like all of that is important organizations can't wait around, you know, for six months or a year. Right. And so you're inadvertently, you know, you're trying to be deliberate. You're trying to be thoughtful. You're trying to be, you know, really um, data driven, but in the meantime, all of the decisions that need to be made are passing you by and they're becoming, uh, you're becoming obsolete and irrelevant, right? Because you're not responding. Yeah. People learn to work around you um, because Mm -hmm. they can't, they can't rely on your leadership. Yeah. Yeah, one of the the ways that I what I typically recommend to deal with that is is action. I think action beats anxiety. I think it helps push people forward. Um, but it's knowing the right kind of action. And I don't think that initially the right action is necessarily decisions. I think the first best actions are usually curiosity. Mm-hmm. And so I usually encourage leaders that are new to expect to spend their first sixty to ninety days. Um, asking a lot of questions. Obviously, decisions will need to be made in that period of time. And if you're stepping into a point of crisis, then that's a that's an entirely different ballgame. But you know, in most situations, you're not. And so, when you're walking in, I encourage people to ask a lot of questions that are really focused around the strengths of the organization, the strengths of departments, the strengths of key staff. Just kind of what they're what is the, basically the idea is to inventory the strengths that you have to build on. And then the second thing I often ask, encourage my clients to do is to sit down, especially with key employees, and interview them around what are their desires and goals for the future of the company. And this this will provide, both of those acts will provide a lot of great data on what you can build on and what people are thinking. Even if you've spent 30 years in the company and you're now in this role of the CEO and you feel like you know it all. My guess is, and my experience is, is you'll learn something new through those conversations. People will talk to you in a different way than what they've talked to you before. Additionally, just the act of asking those questions will generate a level of trust and credibility that will allow you to make potentially more difficult decisions later or cover you if you make mistakes later. People will be more gracious if they feel like you've taken the time to understand what they really want, where they really want to go. And you're trying to move in those directions. Um, but once you know that, you know the strengths yeah. of the organization, you know what people really want. And some of the biggest desires that people may have may not be the most strategically important um, desires to pursue, but they may be really quick and easy wins that help help you uh, demonstrate that you can act on behalf of your people 
and produce results. And it's important to get those kinds of quick wins in early. They don't have to be massively significant in terms of like generating a, a lot of profits or moving you significantly towards your mission goals. Although if you can, that's great. But if they feel important to people, it's important. Right. I'm thinking of a, a board I served on uh, for a, a large nonprofit. And one of their departments was a, a homeless shelter. And so there was a, some real challenges with staffing at the homeless shelter, as you might imagine, as a mass shelter. And um, <clears throat> we assumed there was issues outside of, um, but we didn't know. We were making guesses. And so we thought well, we should ask what actually is going on. And it turned out that people were just concerned about parking. They felt unsafe walking to work, mm -hmm. which was not something that we had guessed. It wasn't something that any of the directors of the program had guessed. And if we hadn't asked them, we would have launched into actually some very expensive initiatives to try to solve what we thought the problem was when all we really, really needed to do was to solve the parking problem, which was relatively easy to do. And it helped our staff out a lot, but we wouldn't have known if we hadn't asked. Yeah. Yeah. So often there are simple things that can uh, elegant solutions, simple, elegant solutions to the types of problems that frontline workers are dealing with. And you don't know yeah. that unless you ask the question, right? So I love that. Yeah. Be curious. Um, you started to outline then, you know, some of those first early steps, you know, that first yeah. 60 to 90 days, listen, ask lots of questions, get to know what's going on. And I really like how you focused on, even if you are a longtime experienced person within the organization, and perhaps at that point, especially then you need to make sure you're asking those questions because, you know, someone external coming in, they're assuming they don't know what's going on. Right. right. So they're asking questions, I would hope. Um, yeah. But internal people, oftentimes they will assume that they know the lay of the land. They know the political landscape. They know what's going on. They know the gaps, all those things. Right. And they do to a certain extent, but there's no way they know everything that's going on. Right. Um, and if you've been elevated from one, one role to the next, and now you're the senior, you know, the CEO or the general manager or whatever, inevitably there are going to be blind spots and there's going to be things right. that you had no real connection with in the past. It, that's just yeah. the way it is when you move up in an organization, right? And yeah. so we need to make sure that we stay always curious. Um, right. What are some of those other things, either the the big surprises that people need to sidestep or like those first things they need to be doing as they get into that new role in that first yeah. six months One or of year? the things that I find is that people often, particularly in small and medium-sized businesses, um, what I find is that they come from a technical background. You know, they're very good at doing something. Uh, let's say you're talking about a hospital or something like that. And somebody's, you know, been great at providing clinical care or providing clinical oversight. And now they're being promoted to an executive role or an executive position. And all of a sudden, they assume they're going to be working with budgets. They're going to be working with strategy. And they are. They're going to be doing all those kinds of things. But their job is really going to be people. And that's the part that I find keeps catching new CEOs, new presidents by surprise, is they feel like, great, this is the opportunity for me to take all of my technical skills and kind of robust his, you know, experience and resume and pull it all together and make things happen. And then they find that they're spending a lot of their time dealing with people issues, helping people feel confident, helping trying to motivate people, trying to align people, trying to deal with conflict, trying to deal with all those kinds of things. And what I often encourage my clients is the faster you can embrace that your job now is people, not the technical stuff that you provide, 
but people. 80% of your job is aligning and growing people. And if you accept that and embrace that, you're going to excel and do great. If you always resist that or you always view that as something you have to do, you're going to have constant agitation for your entire career if it's a long career. That's right. If it's a long career, because the reality is if you're not focusing on people and relationships when you're in leadership positions, um, you're probably not going to be very successful in the long run uh, because not, it's the people. Right, no. Yeah, it's it's the people that are going to drive sustainable growth, sustainable right. innovation, sustainable change. And it's your people that make you look good. Uh, once right. you once you move into those sorts of roles, um, you do have technical expertise. Clearly, you've been successful in your career. That's why you you were in a position to show your your skills and your success and to be elevated into those types of roles. But when you're right. in that kind of a role, you're no longer the one that's expected to be the technical expert. You have teams exactly. of people to do yeah. all of those things. Yeah. And it's it's leveraging their potential that will get you to where you want to be. And that's what yeah. makes you look good as a senior leader. And that can create a really interesting insecurity for leaders because they may have been the best at whatever it was, business development. They were the best at the technology they did or the service they provided. And that's how they got elevated into that role. And then now they've got a job that's completely different. And what their skills were and what their previous successes were don't directly relate to their current responsibilities or don't directly relate to it. And all of a sudden they find, I have to deal with people. I have to deal with strategy. I have to deal with a set of decisions that I don't have this background or these skills necessarily, or they're maybe not as finely honed in this space. And the challenge that comes up in that space is they go from sometimes being the smartest or one of the smartest people in the room to now not so sure that they are anymore and not knowing what to do with that. And that feeling of, you know, do I really know, do I really have my hands on the handles here or not can be challenging for uh, for a lot of leaders. And it's this real subtle shift that takes place because, you know, particularly if you have somebody who was promoted as opposed to being hired in, you know, they may feel like they really understand it. They're the COO, the CFO, they're kind of running a lot of the organization, but now all of a sudden they re- it's, just, it's just changed. And what their actual job is, has changed. And that catches people by surprise. That identity piece of, um, it, of whether or not they still are the smartest person in the room. And then that challenge is, you know, ego and humility and all of those things. And are they willing to, you know, it's that it goes back to that uh, Jim Gollins research of good to great of discovering that the greatest, most effective leaders were people that were truly humble um, or described as humble in their companies. And, but it's difficult for people to pursue that because they feel like you have to be, the big man, the big woman who knows everything. Yeah. And so it's checking your ego at the door. That's really hard (laughs) for, I mean, it's hard for anybody, but you've had a successful long career. Uh, You've been elevated into a role of of high importance, high visibility, high influence. It's, it's natural, you know, and and you're usually surrounded by sycophants by that point (laughs) who tell you what you want to hear. So it's really hard to not drink the Kool-Aid and to not, you know, to not fall for the, your own, uh, uh, narrative, you know, around how great you are and you can be, you can be wonderful and great and capable and all those things and still 
not know everything. And that's the reality. And so we need to uh, stay curious, be humble, check our ego at the door because it, yeah. it's not about us. If you're the CEO and it's all about you, there's a problem and it's right. going to become a toxic environment where yeah. people are going to really be uh, in, in some cases scared, you know, right. to speak up and to, to share, to push back, whatever. Um, ultimately though, people aren't, you're not going to get your best, the best out of people around you right. um, when you're an ego-driven leader, uh, right. a, a, an ego-driven executive. Yeah. Um, any thoughts on how to help um, new CEOs counteract that? Because again, th- there's this idea of executive presence and you need to like show yeah. your confidence. And I mean, there's something to though, to those characteristics, yeah. but new, uh, particularly new leaders oftentimes you know, that, that whole idea that you said, the, the new sheriff in town, like they feel like they, they have to go out of their way to show their power and, yeah. and their, their control over the situation and their confidence and everything. Um, how do you help the, uh, particularly that new leader recognize yeah. the need to lean into the messiness and their humility and kind of right. more of a servant leader mindset? Yeah, no, that's a great, great question. And um uh, there's a couple of things. One is I think it's important to surround yourself with people who are better and smarter than you at something else. <laughs> so, you know, whether it's joining some kind of a, you know, a peer mentoring group or engaging with a coach or having a mentor of some kind, but someone that you look up to who is not afraid of you, who isn't that impressed by you, who can ask you tough questions and just that can see right through all of the, you know, the the images that we put up of ourselves. I think that's really important to cultivate relationships like that. And that helps break down the uh, it's lonely at the top syndrome as well. If you actively cultivate relationships, I actually just got back from, you know, I'm in Alaska. I just got back from a mastermind event in Cancun where I specifically flew all the way over there because I wanted to meet with a group of other leaders and successful people in business because I wanted to be in an environment where, because I'm a consultant, so kind of professionally, I provide answers for people, and I can breathe a lot of my own air in that space. And I wanted to be in a space where I was with people who are not going to be impressed by that. And I can be challenged just in my own personal growth um, by other very successful people. And I think it's important to find dynamics like that. The, uh, um, the other part of it is you'd mentioned servant leadership, and that's really a key And it's hard, it's slippery in understanding that for a lot of people. But I think if your orientation is, is how do I do a good job? How do I prove myself? You're going to end up in the wrong direction. But if you try to figure out what is it that will really serve this company or this organization the best, um, both in terms of the, the alignment we need to accomplish our goals, what will best serve the people along the way, what will serve our customers the best, and figuring out how do I accomplish those things, it creates a great uh, way for you to express a lot of that energy that that is there that a new leader hopefully will have. You can express it all through that, but it's not oriented towards building yourself up. It's oriented towards accomplishing results on behalf of the people that are impacted by your leadership. And when you really focus on that, um, it, there's uh, I find that there's a relief that is experienced by the leader because they no longer have to prove themselves in the sense of, I need people to see me as confident, smart, all-knowing, et cetera. You just produce results on behalf of other people. And what happens is they tend to respect you in exchange because you're, provo- you're producing for them. But 
the pursuit of respect uh, doesn't actually generate respect. Kind of like pursuing happiness doesn't create yeah. happiness. But if you pursue the things that build happiness, um, you get you become more likely to be happy. It's the same thing with respect and yeah. um, credibility and so on. Yeah, well said, Christian. Well, Christian, this has just been a really fun conversation. I know we've yeah. just scratched the surface, right. but that's why you have a book. So before right. we wrap things up for today, why don't you share with the audience how they can connect with you, find out more about your work, um, your consultancy, your book, where yeah. they can find that, and then give us a final word on the topic for today. Sure. Well, you can find more about me at christianmuntine.com. And uh, that's the best place to, to get a hold of me and my stuff. Um, I have a lot of free material too, if people are interested in that. Um, and the book you can find on Amazon or Barnes and Noble or pretty much anywhere that they sell books, you can get a copy of that. It's the successful new CEO. And um, I think as far as new leaders, that just to reinforce as a final thought, reinforce what we had just said is I think focusing on what produces results for your people and builds your people is really the most valuable and productive place for a CEO to focus. If they're unsure of what to do, that will never let you down. Yeah, well said. Christian, thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure. I encourage yeah. my audience to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Christian can do for you. Check out the book. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe. That you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page. And please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.